have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! A deadline a week away, power ranking, standings, whatever you want to call it. We got it all on this podcast. You're listening to the fanalist.pod. Sean Ramachandran here with you, joined by Yash Joshi and Rohan Naranjan on yet another NBA podcast. A lot of stuff going on this week, guys. You know, the Bulls are back to number one. Heat still at number two. I said the Eastern Conference is taking a little bit of a shakeup with the Nets dropping all the way down to six because that Bucks and Cavs game really shook things up, I would say, over there. But clearly this week, there's like a whole lot more to talk about than just standings. Of course, the trade line, the deadline a week away. Um, some teams that we definitely want to hit on, of course, are the, I'd say the Sixers, potentially the Nets a little bit, Celtics, Raptors, Hawks, uh, talk Knicks perhaps too, but let's go ahead and start off with Philly. I think that's like the biggest storyline, of course, you know, I just personally don't see the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat making a move, you know, being the top two teams in the East right now, um, even the Bucks, quite frankly, you know, those three teams look like they're kind of set in stone. The Sixers also kind of look like they're set, but it's just a matter of is a Ben Simmons trade going to happen or not? I mean, I personally think that the Sixers are also kind of set in stone. That, that, that goes to say that all of these teams will definitely make some trades that just kind of change role players here and there, but like obviously no big splashes. I think that Ben Simmons is is really not going anywhere because Daryl Morey is going to be stingy like he always is and no team's going to be willing to offer him or match the price that he's going to be offering out to the market. So they're going to reach a stalemate there. Ben Simmons is going to stay a sixer and then we're just going to have to repeat this entire cycle again post-trade deadline to find out what is Ben Simmons going to do in the 76ers future. I think, I don't want to hammer this point again and again, but it really makes no sense to me as just like a fan or someone who follows the 76ers on why they would hold Ben Simmons for like nothing, because like you have a good shot to win the East. You have a good shot to get to the finals with your best player playing like an MVP. So why not get rid of like a team cancer? I think we can all agree that Ben Ben Simmons has been the cancer in the 76ers side this entire season. Get rid of that, cut him off, get some solid starters, role players that like fill out your roster and then make a full run at an, at an NBA championship. Luck goes your side. Like we've seen happen years past and who knows you might win a ring because of that. So, you know, I hope they make a move, but I don't think they will. Yeah. I think the only thing about Ben Simmons now is that the whole Beal and Simmons thing still might happen because I think there was a report today that, Bradley Beal is conflicted about his future with the Wizards, according to uh, the Athletics' David Aldridge. And, you know, though he says that he wants to stay and, you know, he's still, you know, somewhat committed to the Wizards, it's not as clear as how it was before because, you know, what, you know I remember in the offseason, he was like, he wants to stay. He possibly wants a you know, contract extension, especially when there was talks about the Warriors maybe trading firm and that whole thing was going on. But the Wizards have really fallen in the rankings um and honestly i remember like beginning of season obviously we're talking about them as a one seed and they've fallen basically to the play and i think a little bit even be- uh below that so it would to- make total sense for the wizards to do this i read a report earlier i think it was yesterday a couple days ago that every single person on the wizards roster is available for trade i've heard spencer dinwiddie's future is very murky people don't want him in uh washington for whatever reason so i think there's a lot of internal turmoil um uh, with the Wizards and Beal's that very top person. So if there's if there is going to be a Ben Simmons trade, I think that it'll be for Bradley Beal because the Kings seem out of it at this point. So watch out for the Wizards. I think that might be a surprise trade. The only issue that I would have with a Ben Simmons Bradley Beal deal is that um, just as much as Daryl Morey is stingy about the asking price of Ben Simmons, you know when you get a Bradley Beal involved in the trade, of course it's going to be very enticing to Philly to pull the trigger. But whereas for Washington, it's not going to be enticing anymore because they're going to be like, hey, this is Bradley Beal. You know, we're not just going to give him up for Ben Simmons. So they're going to try and get guys like Tyrese Max and Matisse Thybul. And those two guys have clearly been off limits for Philly. And I don't blame them. You know, those two guys have, I mean, Thybul's been one of the best defenders in the league, perimeter defenders as well um, in the league since he was drafted. And Tyrese Max is basically having like a most improved player of the year uh, candidacy this year. Um, so I just don't see Philly kind of involving any of those two guys. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, 
you know, getting rid of one of those two guys for the sake of getting rid of Ben Simmons and adding Bradley Beal just doesn't seem worth it based on how the team's doing right now without Simmons itself. You know, they're 31 and 27 and three in their last 10 and third in the Eastern Conference. And especially with the Nets kind of dropping over here, like how Yash was saying, like, this is when you take advantage of things. You, you, no one foresaw things like this happening to the Nets. And I feel like the Bucks this season, like, yeah, they look great, but they also do look beatable. Um, it's like the way that Embiid's playing, like, I, I mean, he's literally playing like MVP, like candidacy level as well. So like when you have like guys like Maxi playing at that level and then be playing at this level too, it's like this, this team already has a dynamic duo setup that it's going to be tough to stop granted that, you know, Seth Curry's still doing his thing. Dival's still doing his thing on defense as well. But one thing that I wanted to get to that I feel me and Yash really touched upon last week was, you know, Daryl Morey being stingy and all this stuff is that if you have the shot or the chance to get a James Harden in the off season, I think that's why he's waiting everything out. And, you know, with the week to go, granted that he doesn't get what he wants per se, then including Simmons in a deal to get James Harden is going to be your best option in the offseason. Quite frankly, the best option on the table right now. And I know that sounds weird um, because like, like I'm, I'm a bit torn because I still stand by what I said last week. Like if you have the chance to get a James Harden, you know, you want to take it. But at the same time, is that worth the risk of this entire season? You know, because you don't want to look back. Philly fans don't want to look back on this year and look at it and maybe lose in a game seven per se and say, hey, if we just made a trade for Simmons for like one guy um, or two guys or whatever it is, then we could have we could have won this thing. And like, you know, it, I, I mean, like knock on wood that if just in case someone on Philly gets injured down the stretch, you know, or misses some time, like, you know, Benson and straight could have paid its dividends by having the depth or having those guys to take over and, you know, win games or whatever it may be. Yeah. I just have a quick question for you guys. Um, I know that the Kings reported that they ended pursuit of Ben Simmons, I think on last week, but do you guys think that that's a smoke screen in any way? Because I feel like they're going to go all out and just, they're going to, they're going to release a lot of their big players, like, you know, King, I'm sorry, not just King, De'Aaron Fox and Harris, Harrison Barnes for sure. Maybe even Rashawn Holmes. So, do you guys think there's any probably Buddy Heels as well? Buddy yeah. Heels as well. So, is it is it possible this is a smoke screen for Ben Simmons? That's a great question, Sean. You want to take it? Uh, sure. I mean, I, have a, I was like, okay, Yash, you can jump it over here. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say, I I I don't think it is. I don't think it is, and I know that sounds really weird because like the only reason I think that it's not a smoke screen is because it's Ben Simmons. Like you can blatantly go out in public and say, yeah, we don't want this guy. And it's not like you're tricking really any other teams because once again, like the, if, if there was legitimate Ben Simmons, like traction to get a deal done or any Im- imminency per se on Daryl Morey's end to get a deal done, then like the Kings are more than happy for a reason to come out publicly and say, we'll wait. You know, maybe they will revisit some stuff this week. Maybe the Sixers get desperate last minute. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we'll take whatever you guys got. You know, give us De'Aaron or like it's if it's just a De'Aaron for Simmons Fox, we'll take it like whatever's on the table. But once again, like, you know, at least how Yash was saying earlier to like and even you too, Rohan, like you guys have been advocating for how Daryl Murray is just so stingy and so like, you know, just he's going to play the waiting game. And like we've seen him do it this much that it's kind of like, for me, I'm looking at it like, oh, you've come this far, but, you know, why, why stop now? Might as well just keep them hostage at this point for the entire season, right? Like, you clearly have a bigger plan, so show us what that is. And, you know, again, like, I keep, I keep revisiting the James Harden situation because, once again, if Philly somehow lands James Harden over the summer and it's because Ben Simmons is including that package, who will be the centerpiece of that trade, we're going to look at Daryl Moore and be like, you are a goddamn genius, and this team – just made one of the better moves um, in their franchise history. I mean, like, this is a business, right? So it's all about, like, calculated risks. And if I'm Daryl Morey, it's a risk. You either keep Ben Simmons for the chance you get James Harden, and there's, like, I don't know, a 10, 20, 30% chance that he does come to the Sixers, but he might stay with the Nets. He might go to any of the other 2018s. You don't really know what's going to happen. So there's a risk there. But there's also the risk that you – trade him away and you could have gotten James Harden if you didn't so I mean that's why sports is so difficult and like no one can really predict but coming back to Rohan's question about the Kings I think that 
it isn't really a smokescreen, but it could be just because I think this trade deadline this year just seems kind of emptier than it usually does. There's not like any superstar on a like a tanking team that's like available for trade minus say Damian Lillard, but because he's injured, I think I'm just taking him off the books as well. But like we usually have at least one to two players that are like big trade talks, even if they get traded or not, they're in like the rumors and everything. But I think this year it's kind of a low key trade deadline. Maybe Jeremy Grant might be one of the bigger pieces. And I love Jeremy Grant, but he's not like someone that you would trade the entire Kings franchise for. So Ben Simmons might be the player that they're waiting for. And this might just be a smokescreen, but at the same time, it's the Kings franchise and like they're incompetent. So this could just be them like making another failure. Yeah, fair enough. I just wanted to hear you guys talk. We can move on to whoever's next. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I mean, I would say. Um. Honestly, like, what do you what do you guys think about the Nets right now? Like, you know, they've lost six straight. Um. James Harden is clearly frustrated. You know, he keeps coming back to that situation. Um. On how he just wants to win. I just feel like his attitude towards the game right now is just reminding me of his like closing days in Houston. You know, he's just very frustrated with the roster. Frustrated with the play. Um, I don't know if there's really much frustration towards, you know, the coach in any kind of way. Um, I feel like Steve Nash is kind of on the same page with the star players for the most part, but it's just not translating to wins. And it's, it's tough because they've, they've clearly not been healthy, but at the same time, it's a little bit, you know, troublesome per se that they're dropping in these standings. Cause you know, keep in mind, like the Raptors, the Celtics and the Hornets are kind of on their heels right now. And that drops all the way down to eight um, or something. Sorry, nine, my bad. And then, you know, you're looking at basically a plan at that point. By no means do I believe that this team will ever drop to a plan. But, you know, we have to start thinking about the reality that once the season ends, this team could, it's very realistic that this team could be outside of the top five. You know, and we were talking about this last week. All of us were saying that the top five should stay the same. But, you know, with the Bucks, Cavs, and Sixers kind of in that, you know, power struggle over there based on how the games went last week. You know, the Sixers now surge up to three from six and um, the Bucks and the Cavs remain respectively at four and five. And of course, the Bulls and the Heat at the top two um, teams in the East. So basically, um, you know, I think that I think that it is weirdly a blessing in disguise, like how Yash was saying, I'm going to piggyback on what he said last week about how you know, the Nets kind of dropping in these rankings is possibly good because you start off with two road games where Kyrie can play, um, you know, granted that uh, he is still going to have the same vaccination status and not play in Brooklyn. Um, so that is one thing to keep note of. But also another thing that I want to touch up with you guys on is that, um, you know, how we were talking about, you know, places that do have vaccine mandates and stuff that Kyrie wouldn't be allowed to play in. Clearly that there is, I, I, I found this out last week because I was very surprised to see Kyrie playing in Golden State. And yeah, the, the it's weird. yeah, the, the rule <laughs> the rules is, don't make the, sense. The rules it's don't so make ridiculous. Sense. It's ridiculous because we, we were all under the impression that, oh boy, you know, you're not vaccinated and you go to a city that has a mandate. And you are it, in a city that requires a mandate too, it, isn't that? So it only applies if you're the home player. So let's exactly, say like Andrew Wiggins ridiculous. went to the Nets, he would be able to play if he wasn't vaccinated. But yeah, that's ridiculous. COVID rules make no sense, but you know, <laughs> it, it makes, is what it, it makes is. Zero sense. I mean, like, like for me, when I when I'm picturing the Warriors and the Nets playing, I'm picturing every single player on the court is vaccinated. Like, I I, I don't know. I was I was very very like like I mean. I don't want to say I was pissed off, but I was a little bit caught off guard when I saw Kyrie Irving playing in Golden State. And I was like, I was like, wait, what? Like, that's so weird. But I mean, who cares? The Warriors won that game. You know, Clay looked great that game. But that's that we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But basically, yeah, that, that's what the net situation is kind of looking like right now. I quite frankly have them finishing highest right now, the way that the season's going. I think I have them finishing at five. I honestly have no problem with what the Nets are doing right now because Kevin Durant is out for a while. Let him get rested when he's needed is in the playoffs. So right now you just need to get James Harden back to his OG James Harden. And he's looked a lot better. I think we're over that um, early season slump and like the questions around if he's going to be his old self. And I think we can trust at least start to trust James Harden to be his old self in the playoffs. 
and may that be like choking in the playoffs. We'll see. But Kyrie Irving, at least he's back. He's playing with the team. And now he has like, I think they just counted it off on TNT. He might have like 10 games or so left in the season, which is absolutely wild to think about because he just started. But the Nets have a very home heavy second half of the schedule, which is usually good, but it's bad for this team because Kyrie just can't play. And then like Sean said, I, I do expect them to stay under the four seed in the Eastern Conference. So at least they get first round road team advantage, if you want to call it that, like we have been for the past few weeks, because staying in the staying in the play in that seven and eight would be just too dangerous for me if I'm in, if I'm the Nets, because then you're on the boundary. Staying at five and six would be probably perfect just because you want Kyrie to be playing the first two, at least of the first round, because that gives Kevin Durant an extra couple of games. May it may he need it. I'm not sure if his injury is going to go until the playoffs, but he's old. He's what, 32, 33 now. So if he needs those extra weeks, those first two road games in the first round could be the difference between you going to the championship or getting bounced in the conference finals. I think the problem for the Nets right now is that they've just fallen off defensively ever since December. You know, through December, they were actually playing decent defense basketball, um, you know, holding their opponents to 31% beyond the arc. I think that they were, their opponents were shooting about 54% in the paint, and they just had a lower free throw rate as well. But ever since KD got hurt, I don't think it's that they've fallen off because KD got hurt. Like, yeah, he plays a part in that, but they've always been sort of an average defensive team, maybe even below average, and now it's kind of starting to show um, past the halfway point of the season, you know, at least through the first the, – through, the, through 2022 at least, uh, the beginning – they were playing decent defense, but now it's kind of fallen off. And without Kevin Durant, they don't have that third scorer who, you know, can absolutely just take over a game. So I don't think they're going to make any trades. Obviously, like, you know, this podcast, this pod is um, centered around the trade deadline, but I don't think the Nets will be in any talks about that. I did hear that, you know, Joe Harris might not return to the team for the rest of the season, which would be huge. Um, it would just, That would just be catastrophic. We, I mean, we know, we all know how, it ended with him last year in the playoffs, but I think he's still an integral part of this team, and that's just a very big concern. But I don't really think we can judge them until the All-Star break whenever Kevin Durant comes. I think four or five is, is you know, a, a reasonable spot to put them in, at least until the All-Star break, because I don't think they turn it around until then. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely fair enough. Like, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'd say um, the thing about Joe Harris was that there was there was some smoke about like the Cavs having a little bit of interest in Joe Harris um, before the trade deadline. Obviously, um, not really much buzz since then on where that stands. But that's the only player I would keep an eye on on the Nets in terms of outgoing players and you know incoming players. There's really should be anything. Quite frankly, you know this team has what they need. They're just not healthy at this time, and quite frankly, there's no reason to have any trade assets at this point, because nothing's really going to be helping you more than a return from Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving playing on the road or just James Harden getting it together. So definitely some things to kind of keep an eye on. Um, One thing that I did want to touch upon is that the Cleveland Cavaliers, they've placed calls on trying to get Eric Gordon or Karis Levert from the Rockets and Pacers respectfully. And um, one thing that's very interesting is that the Rockets are trying to get at least a first round pick for Eric Gordon and the Pacers are seeking way more than a first round pick for Karis LeBert, but the Cavs are preferring to only send two first round picks to acquire either player. Um, obviously the more acquirable player in this case for two first round, oh, sorry, second round picks, my apologies, would be Eric Gordon from the Rockets. I don't believe that the Pacers would part ways with Karis LeBert for two seconds. Um, so that's just something to keep really? an eye on, obviously. I, I don't know. I don't that. think I mean, they would. I think the Pacers are blowing it up. I think they're going to blow it up. I agree with that. I think they're going to want more than two second round picks. Exactly. It kind of it kind of comes down to like, like I'm sure that there is for sure a better offer out there, first of all, for Karis. I think it might. Second thing. Yeah. My bad. Second ahead. thing, though, is that like, I feel this turns into a weird, like, a very, very fraction of a Ben Simmons situation. This means don't force the trade if you don't need to. You know, if you're not getting your asking price, why why force it? No, that's fair enough. I think it's more likely, well, at least in my opinion, that Karis Levert goes in like a package with Sabonis or yeah. Turner or TJ. I agree. Whoever it is. But I think that um, Sabonis might, I saw that the Wizards have Sabonis yeah. on their radar, depending mm-hmm. on, the, the owner doesn't want to trade Beal, but I feel like, the Beal trade is still a big possibility, especially for the Sixers. So that's something to look out for if you're a Sixers fan. Um, I think that, yeah, like the thing about the Wizards, though, um, you know, as we're getting into this trade talk a little bit more, is that, um, you know, how you previously mentioned about uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. 
So that's probably a name to keep an eye on, but given the fact that they want Sabonis, and I think, um, like, realistically, that Bradley Beal, um, I mean, he stayed loyal to this point. I just, it's very tough for me to envision a Bradley Beal trade that doesn't involve Ben Simmons, per se, like a huge blockbuster deal. And chances of that, once again, happening are very slim to none. So with that being said, I feel that if the Wizards do get Sabonis, it would just convince Bradley Beal temporarily to test this out for the rest of the season. You know, um, I mean, keep in mind, this team has Kyle Kuzma is having, I think, his best season ever. Um, you know, this team has talent. They, they can genuinely um, be, um, I, I don't want to say clinch a playoff berth itself, but they're probably going to be a play-in team, logically, the way things are going. Out of the play-in to the play-in, like, honestly... That's not going to do exactly. much. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you get what I'm saying. But, like, there, there are different levels to the playing, though. You get what I'm saying? Like, in terms of you don't want to, like, have to play the two playing games. You just do the one and in. You, like, win and in. You know, if you're one of the top playing seeds, of course. Um, so, like, that's the best case scenario for the Wizards um, right now. But uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, the Raptors are another team to look at. You know, Goran Dragic, they're trying to get rid of him. Um, as well, I just don't know if there are any takers. Apparently, there was negotiations brought up around Miles Turner, um, and they're also looking at Robert Williams from the Celtics. Again, very, very unlikely trades. I feel that you know Dragic's not going to get the deal done for either of those guys. I think the Celtics trade would be pretty cool because they, that would give the Celtics a main, another main ball handler, and that would give. Tatum and Brown like off ball pressure which they desperately need and they also need mm-hmm. to learn it I would also think that Goran Dragic might be a buyout candidate I don't know how much yeah. he's making right now but I think that as like a veteran point guard he could definitely be bought out for like another just playoff team like the Bulls if they want like another injury insurance play a uh, point guard because like mm-hmm. Lonzo and Caruso are out for a while I could definitely see him like doing that route I think so that a buyout is very unlikely i can't remember i feel like that was like that was reported like immediately once the trade from um lowry and Dragic happened that he wanted to basically not really stay in toronto and there were rumors that they were going to find him a new place didn't really work out as planned and then they were just like yeah buyouts kind of like not going to happen regarding the celtics um i feel like they're in an interesting spot right now at the trade deadline i think i think i've been pretty vocal about this i remember saying on the last podcast that i think they need to make a move um, what do you guys think of Marcus Smart and Horford? I think that they're pretty much big candidates for the Celtics to be traded. I think that obviously the two Jays, I don't think will get traded at this point, but I was looking at a trade uh, earlier in my notes that, you know, the Hawks would be a good spot for Marcus Smart. You have like a backup point guard uh, for Trey Young to get some defensive pressure, which we know Trey, you know, lacks. Obviously they sent, um, you know, Cam Reddish to New York. And one of the trades that I heard earlier this year was Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter for Marcus Smart. But that's not on the table. So I was thinking, you know, John Collins, we, we've talked about this before, hey, you know, has been unhappy with his role again and therefore is possibly available. I don't, it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a likely trade, but, but that would really shake up the league. I think John Collins on the Celtics would be perfect. Um, you know, you can play him at the four. I think Tatum can get that off ball pressure. Like Josh was saying, both him and Jalen Brown, a little less swing. The Celtics, the thing is, you know, they have been better. They have been better the last couple of weeks. I think they're playing better defense than anyone else these past two weeks. Um, so I don't know if this is the time to make a move, but I feel like there's still a couple steps away from really being a true playoff contender. So I was wondering what you guys think of that trade. Yeah, uh, I think that's it's very very intriguing because, um, like I mean, like you said, like Boston, I think is one of the more active teams at the trade deadline this year because, um, you know, like I think that we all kind of said this, but especially me, I was just like looking at this roster. I'm like, how do you guys have like you know these star players and you're this bad? You know, you got to be better than that. Um, and so I feel like, you know, obviously Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're for sure going to stay, but Boston is genuinely looking to see if they can try and move Dennis Schroeder or Josh Richardson. So those are two names to maybe keep an eye on. Of course, Al Horford has been mentioned too. They're just trying to get, um, probably basically another ball handler, you know, backcourt help, um, at this point, like how Josh was saying that, you know, that's probably what's going to benefit them. I think that what would be interesting on what you just mentioned would be that if John Collins does somehow land up um, in um, in Boston, then that means that Robert Williams would be exploitable to Toronto for Drogic. So maybe it could work out if they work want to do both trades somehow. But obviously, I feel it's kind of like one domino needs to fall for the other two. 
I mean, I think, do you guys know when Brown and Tatum are free agents? Because I think a lot of it depends on that as well, because Al, or Al Horford still has a year left on his contract. So that means the Hawks, if you're shipping him there, would need to pay him another $26 million for like his limited services that he can offer as a 36-year-old Al Horford. But if the Celtics are approaching like a year where they have a lot of money the next season and they can find some help alongside the two Jays, I think that this trade could work out, especially because they're getting some front court depth with John Collins. Or if they trade for Goran Dragic, they could like completely restructure their team and give uh, Jalen Jason some help. But I just think those type of massive restructurings don't happen mid-season. That's usually kind of an off-season thing. You can't just completely change your roster at the trade deadline and expect to make a playoff push six weeks after that. Yeah, so one thing about um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is that I don't know the exact contract in Jalen Brown, but what I do know is that he is under contract. 2024, okay. He's unrestricted. So, He's unrestricted. Okay. Tatum is 2026. And okay. they're both unrestricted or restricted? Uh, Jalen is unrestricted. I think Tatum is restricted in 2026. So they have them locked up for at least, you know, the next two to three years in that core. But here's, here's what's interesting. So I was just about to get to this. So apparently there's like buzz right now around the league that Jalen Brown could seek a move in the off season if the Celtics continue to struggle. So that basically means that, you know, he like, this is, this is the exact quote. If Boston continues to struggle, Brown could be the one to acknowledge that the mix isn't right and seek a move. And that was from Steve Bullpet from, I think it was boston.com or something like that. But basically, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I think the clock's kind of ticking in Boston for like this backcourt to start working, you know, um, it's kind of like how it was in Portland with like CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Yeah. They both are great players and they were able to coexist at times to make some deep playoff runs, but when it mattered the most, you know, clearly they couldn't execute. And down the stretch, too, they've not really been that duo that we all thought they would be for years to come. So Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they both are also great players, obviously. Any team would be lucky to have one or both of those guys. But it's just the system that they're in in Boston that's just not translating to wins. So I feel that if one of the two were to go first, I think 1,000% it's going to be Jalen Brown. And I think the more exploitable one also is Jalen Brown. You know, not to say that he's... I, I genuinely don't think that I'm going to say that he's um, – I don't want to say he's a worse player than Jason Tatum, but you get – I mean, you get what I'm saying. I feel like in terms of the tier that I put them both in, the way that they've been playing this season, I think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are arguably in the same tier right now. Someone clip this when Jason Tatum is the one that gets traded. <laughs> you think Jason Tatum would be the one that gets traded? I mean, I don't – I just always said that. I don't think either of them are going to get traded, but I think – yeah, I, I personally think two. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are so similar in terms of values they bring to you, but Jason right. Tatum's name will bring you more value in a trade. So right. overall, by trading Jason Tatum and keeping Jalen Brown, your team would, in my vision, be better than it would be. Because the return the other would one. be higher, obviously. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, totally, I mean, I, totally I get what you're saying, but <laughs> I get no, what you're wait, saying. I mean, no, but I, I, no, I understand what Yash is saying in terms of like um, Jalen Brown is going to give you like, I mean, but the thing like, is, well, like for example, for example, would you trade Damian Lillard for J- Jason Tatum plus others, or Damian Lillard for Jalen Brown plus others? If you're the Blazers, right? Jason Tatum, right? I would trade him for Jason Tatum. Now I can pair Jalen Brown, Damian Lillard with some other like role players, like I don't know, Bull Bull if he comes alive, and Peyton Pritchard. And now you have mm-hmm. you know a tangible roster. Is speaking speaking of the Blazers though, I mean, Sean brought up CJ McCollum. Is there any chance the Blazers kind of make a move at the deadline? I know they're you know, absolutely going nowhere this year. Uh, it's been super, reports, but. yeah, it's been, it's been super under the radar, but apparently the Pelicans are kind of poking around with CJ McCollum. That's what I've been like reading here and there. So, I mean, maybe that's something that they can look into. I just don't see a trade kind of happening because I'm like, like, what are you, what are you going to get in return for that? That entices you, you know? And like, of course, if the team's going into a full rebuild and that's a different story that they'll have to look into. But I think that, you know, there's definitely a chance that, you know, this team maybe somehow uh, gets a play-in game. Um, but if not, I mean, you know, there's really, I just don't see any point that this team's not really going to make a deep run. Fair enough. Um, I, I fully agree too. Uh, can we talk about the, I think two teams, the Kings and the Pacers, you know, I think that they're most likely to blow it up the deadline. Where do you guys see, 
uh, assets from them going here and there because I think that they have players who can contribute to playoff contenders, championship contenders with their trade. It's just a matter of if the move happens. Honestly, like I think the only the only player that I'm really eyeballing out of like all those teams is Sabonis. Like that's the only one that I'm really like also like taking seriously to any point because um he's he I, I just feel like he's like the most realistic trade to happen because he's also healthy. Um Miles Turner is a name to keep an eye on, but keep in mind that he does have that stress fracture that's gonna probably make teams hesitant to kind of trade for him. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. The Kings as well, I think the only team they're going to be negotiating with a blockbuster deal would be the Sixers for Ben Simmons. And if that deal doesn't happen, then I'm going to fully expect De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, of course. I don't think that he was ever really exploitable for the team um, to all stay put in um, Sacramento. But the other player that um, I think is for sure possibly going to get traded is Harrison Barnes. So the Kings do have an Aston Prize for like a first-round pick, I believe. Um, is what it is, but Harrison Barnes has been linked to the Utah Jazz. Um, like that's the only really real team that I've I've been seeing that There's he's been linked the, to. That would Pelicans. be a great move. That would be a great move. The Pelicans going, too. Yeah, going Pelicans to are revisiting the trade package involving Harrison Barnes. Interesting. So yeah, I mean the thing is that with um at least with the Jazz though, it, it's very um it's very interesting, especially based on I believe it was Joe Engel's season um entering injury. He had an ACL tear. So that's gonna like kind of limit the flexibility of hey, what kind of trade can we give you guys? You know, because all of a sudden Harrison Barnes is gonna come into come into the jazz and just try to like find his way in the lineup. And the, keep in mind he's also on an expiring contract. So, you know, he's going to be a free agent. He's very likely going to leave Sacramento. I don't think anyone really wants to re-sign unless you're a young player and have a future hope for a rebuild. But, um, you know, with that being said, I feel that, you know, Utah, like Yash just mentioned, the Pelicans would be the two teams to probably keep an eye on. I think that Joe Ingles injury is pretty big for the Jazz, and I think they desperately need to get some uh, forward help. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Harrison Barnes would be a great piece there. I think he could bring value to the team but I think it really depends on the direction that the Kings want to go because if say that you know they give Joe Ingles and like a protected first for Harrison Barnes what does that really do for you as a Kings is Kings manager because Joe Ingles isn't a young upcoming player maybe you get that first round pick but it probably won't be a high one you know with the Jazz's you know record they're usually a pretty good regular season team they're probably gonna go at least decently deep in the playoffs so I don't think that pick really entices you either so though I think Harrison Barnes would be a good piece with the Jazz, the Jazz would have a, have to give up a lot more. Yeah, I, I agree too, because I think Harrison Barnes is kind of a piece that is a little bit too valuable for a team like the Jazz. Like Rohan just said, it would deplete one of their strongest assets, which is their depth, because the way the Jazz play, they're able to hound you from three because they have so many shooters. And Harrison Barnes is not like a buddy healed. If they were going for Buddy Heald, which I don't think they are, but that would make sense on if you're going to trade like Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, plus more to get like that one amazing shooter. But Harrison Barnes fits the system that the Jazz play, but he's just another piece in like the entire system. He's not a Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. He's just, he just fits. So I would rather that you keep the team rather than just like give everybody away for Harrison Barnes. I could put you over the hump, but realistically, it's not going to get you over the Grizzlies, the Warriors, or the Suns. Yeah, 100. I mean, Yash, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, literally read my mind over there because um, I was I was just coming to that. I think that the Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Jazz, they look very locked in on their roster right now. And if any team would make a move of those four, it's going to be the Jazz. It's just like, who are you going to give up? Who are you going to get? Um, and, you know, you, you kind of said it best. Like, you know, if you get a guy like Harrison Barnes, it's going to possibly drop you to five you know and i feel that with the with the maps and you know and the nuggets are kind of on their heels over there you know the thing is that those top three seeds have really separated themselves way far from the pack right now you know that's just how it's looking um if i should see any fluctuation it's only going to be in the top three within the top three you know this season i think when it ends i think we can all confidently say the sons of warriors and grizzlies not necessarily in that order but those three teams will be the top three teams teams when this season ends and the playoff picture starts taking shape meanwhile the jazz looked like they could just stay locked in at four granted you know they stay healthy try to figure out uh, a life without joe Ingles per se um because they are three and seven in their last 10 and you know you see the mavs and the nuggets and the timberwolves all six and four in their last 10 kind of on their heels about no more than four or five games behind them 
So maybe there could be a little bit of power struggle um, between the four down to the seven seed. But at that point in time, you know, I just see Utah kind of staying uh, locked in at four. Definitely. I mean, Utah is a regular season team, but with this injury to Joe Ingles and the way that they've been struggling in January, um, and I think they were 2-11 and 11 at the last 13 at one point. I think they – that was before uh, this past week. But, you know, they're still struggling. I think that they should still make the playoffs for sure and be that top five seed. But this Joe Ingles injury is very concerning to me. Um, but, yeah, I think that – I don't know if they make any moves at the deadline just because of the low assets that they have. Right, yeah. And I think that um, – and I just seem to kind of look at over here down this list, you know, as we're kind of moving on to the Western Conference, obviously, um, at this point in time. Like, the Minnesota Timberwolves are a team to keep an eye on. Um, and you know how you mentioned, like, Marcus Smart earlier to the Hawks? Marcus Smart's kind of been mentioned as a recent trade target for Minnesota because apparently Patrick Beverly, of course, he is on a expiring contract and will hit free agency this offseason. That's kind of like, you know, this team's very young, I feel, for the most part, especially centered around, you know, guys like Ant, Cat, um, and D'Lo, of course, you know, grants that he finds a more, um, I want to say, proper identity with this team. I feel D'Lo is like kind of like this odd piece out sometimes. You know, you see games where he kind of goes off and like, Ice's games here and there, wins games for this team, whereas like other games, he's really not playing that many minutes compared to Ant and Cat. But, um, you know, I feel that D'Lo is definitely a guy that um, I think just needs to develop. That's going to be the biggest asset for Minnesota if they can get down the stretch for him to, you know, just find his place. Um, then if they try and get a guy like Marcus Smart, that would be huge. I know that Malik Beasley apparently has been in a conversation as well um, and Patrick Bradley. So those two names could be guys to keep an eye on that Marcus Smart's only connection that they really have right now. So the thing is like, I don't, I feel like Marcus Smart and Patrick Beverly are kind of similar as a player that neither team is getting uh, any upgrade between the two players. You know, I, feel I like would, I would boss, take Marcus Smart over Patrick Beverly. No, I, personally. No, I definitely would. I definitely would. But I feel like you're not getting, you're getting like a very similar brand of basketball, but like undersized guards who play good defense, not the best shooters. You know, they do have some playmaking ability, but they're known for their defense. And, you know, I don't know if, what are the Celtics getting back from doing that trade for Beverly? You know, like, right. I don't think it makes sense for either team. Yeah, Marcus right. is, is younger, but you're still kind of getting the same thing. I don't think the Celtics would go for that. I, I agree. I think, like Rohan just said, I was going to say the exact same thing. Patrick Beverly and Marcus Smart are, like, basically the same player. They're, like, dogs. They're just – they get down on the floor. They get dirty. They play great defense. <laughs> <laughs> like not physically <laughs> yeah, like, yeah no we got it yeah <laughs> it's like pj t- tucker i feel you I feel yeah like, he, he's yeah, the, the, like pj yeah, tucker yeah. and i think the timberwolves I actually really like the timberwolves roster this year jared jared vanderbilt and malik beasley Jaden mcdaniels they've actually all come up and played like very solid basketball along with their big three which has actually put the minnesota timberwolves in in a spot to kind of fight for a playoff spot like six plus not eight plus while yeah. the teams like the Lakers and the Clippers are actually under them. If you told me that beginning of February, that the Timberwolves had a better, would have a better record than either of the teams in LA and Portland, who um, I'll still remind you, Sham had ranked second in the West. Dude, I thought <laughs> Dame was going to go crazy this year. I had him like winning like MVP and everything, man. Yeah. That's kind of killed me. <laughs> either way the the timberwolves no one thought they would have this good of a record but you know shout out to cat shout out to ant and i think the trade that sean just said i don't think they should do that they should honestly just continue the season see how they do and then over the off season they can make some good trades to really solidify themselves as an up-and-coming roster in the west yeah i i no, i could definitely see that i think that um, it's interesting how things are kind of shaping up over here. You know, with the, I guess the Nuggets, you know, they have Jokic. They're really not going to be making any moves. I feel, I think he's also playing at an MVP level, possibly back-to-back MVP campaign. Um, the Mavs, they have Jalen Brunson, but it's really going to take apparently a lot to get him away um, from Dallas. And if I'm Dallas too, if, if you got someone that you didn't expect to kind of go crazy this year or be a true role player for you, then, you know, why, why, why move them? You know, you're fifth in the Western conference. You have a chance at this thing, especially with teams. Like I feel the bottom of the, the Western conference is insanely weak this year, like absurdly weak compared to the top half. Like, I feel like the first round of the playoffs is just going to be like a whole bunch of like sweeps and potentially just in five, I would be surprised to see 
like based on the way that it's looking right now, I would be surprised to see a series go to possibly six games, you know, just the way that these teams are playing. Um, and I think that we're going to be set up for an absurd second um, and third round of the postseason for the West, because that's when things are going to get really get real for these for these teams. But, you know, because I'm just eyeballing it, you know, the Clippers, they don't have Paul George um, and they don't have Kawhi Leonard. I just see both of them getting shut down. And surprisingly, they're still going to be able to get a play-in spot, I'd say. Um, the Lakers, it's tough for me to see this team not get a playing spot with all the talent that they have. But once they make the playoffs, you know, I think we all can safely say they're going to be pretenders. And how I'm starting to look at them and say they truly are the real bubble frauds, not the Miami Heat, like how Rohan would say. Um, but, you know, that, 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 that's my two cents over there. I think the only thing to keep in mind of the Lakers is that their only player they're probably going to be looking at trying to get out of uh, L.A. is Kent Bazemore. And he's like, I think both of you say negative who, IQ, negative God. basketball IQ. <laughs> like, who? No one wants you, bro. Like, there's a reason why <laughs> betting on yourself didn't work out, huh? You could have been like a 14th man on the Warriors, but you had to get, you had I'm your so, ego got up. I'm so happy he didn't because without him, or if we, we did have him, GP2 would never be a Warrior. Facts, facts. No, the dude turns, turns the ball over way too much. But just one more trade I want to bring up to you guys. I think this is my last trade personally. If you guys have any more, let me know. But we haven't really mentioned Jeremy Grant. Um, I think he has been the biggest name this season of, you know, he's going to get moved at the deadline. This guy's going to get moved at the deadline. But uh, I think there was a report from Brian Windhorst that Jeremy Grant's agent last week gave 10 teams to the, uh, the Pistons uh, management and said that this is where Jeremy would like to go. Obviously, the Pistons do not need to listen to this, right? They can deal him wherever he wants. So I kind of was thinking last night, like, where could this guy go? I know he wants like a role where he's the number one guy, but I just don't see that happening at this point. I don't see the Pistons getting doing that unless they get a really good share of picks. So what do you guys think of this deal? Um, this would really shake up the East a little bit and the Bulls, but I just this is just one of my crazy trades. Patrick Williams and Derek Jones Jr. and a pick for Jeremy Grant. It's very risky if you are the Bulls. You know, you might mess up some team chemistry, but I feel like Jeremy Grant at that four spot, obviously Patrick Williams went down with an early injury um, in the beginning of the season. And I think they could really use some front court depth with Vucevic kind of struggling this season. What do you think of that? I think that the Bulls, if they do that trade, they could either be like a guaranteed one seed or they could fall back to a four seed depending on chemistry issues. I think the thing with the Bulls right now is that they just need to be healthy. It's kind of like the Nets too. You know, they, it's, it's weird to say that even though the, the Bulls are the number one seed right now, I feel like they should be kind of running away with the number one seed and that's not the case. Um, I'm not insanely concerned about their roster outlook um, from here on out. I'm just more concerned about their injuries and how long everything's going to last. And granted, everyone comes back 100% healthy um, to make a deep playoff run. But like, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think that it could improve the Bulls on paper for now. It's just tough for me to see, say that it will improve them on the court 100% because I just need to see it to believe it. But um, what this kind of gets me to saying, though, is like how um, I think you were talking, Rohan, you were talking about the Bucks. I think like, I want to say it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something, but you said, I, I like what you said about if um, something's not broken, don't fix it, right? So I feel like that's kind of like what it is with the Bulls. It's like, you want to see changes right now, but the issue is that injuries are hindering you from that. And I feel like we've not been seeing like the bulls be the super flashy team off late because of those injuries and just, you know, without the star talent on the floor. But at the end of the day, if you're winning games, you're winning games and you know, they're in the number one seed right now. And I know that they're going to have a little bit of drops here and there, but I, I see them still finishing as a top three seed. And that's really not going to be the worst case, granted that, you know, they make it to the conference finals. And if they do play, end up playing the one or the two seed, they need to go on the road. I'm not going to be really concerned. I just want to say straight up, Bulls management does not do this trade because like, like yeah. Patrick Williams is their little baby. And along with IO, he's like the James Wiseman and Kaminga of the Chicago Bulls. They picked that guy fourth overall in a loaded class where they could have had a lot of other picks. Patrick Williams was their guy that they took out of like a cream of prospects. And they're like, this is our future, even before they knew that they were going to get DeRozan or Lonzo Ball, because they knew that Patrick Williams, or at least they thought that Patrick Williams could be the future of the Bulls franchise. And now with IO's growth, I definitely think that the management sees this as like kind of a stepping stone after DeMar DeRozan leaves. Because let's face it, he's on the upper end of 30 versus Zach Levine, who's on the lower end. So they'll pair Zach Levine with 
Patrick Williams and Ayo and Lonzo Ball. And that's like kind of the Bulls future. So I just don't see them doing the Jeremy Grant trade because it, it's a very win now trade, which I, I would love to see the Bulls do, but it's it gives up way too much of the future, which management, like these big corporations, like these teams, they just don't do those trades. We've seen it with the Warriors. Where, where does Jeremy Grant go then? Because I feel like he was the name that we've been talking about. So Fine, just stay in Detroit. Like, <laughs> Just, I, mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's too valuable of a piece to just stay in Detroit. Like I know no, he, I know he, he also, wants to be the number one option. Yeah, but he also did say that he wanted to be number one option. He wants he definitely to be couldn't do that in Chicago. You can't, but does but does Pistons management want to like move on from him? I think that that's like a genuine. Yeah, they do. There's been so many rumors, right? They do. It's like it's they're like not going to pay him. It's like asking, do the Sixers want to move on from Ben Simmons? Yes, he's a good player. Yes, he's been on the trade market, but it's like once again, like who's going to take him to that? I feel like these kind of players they start to become like more of like these i think that jeremy grant and ben simmons as different as they are and as very different as their situations are i feel they're very similar in terms of like their mentality towards the game just being divas right now like jeremy grant's blatantly said oh i want to be the primary scoring option and stuff like that and i'm like i'm like okay well you can rule out like half the teams in the nba and if you want to chase a ring that's not going to be happening like you can't just go and say oh i want to be a primary option like like on any team and prefer to win a ring like that's not how it works like like where is he gonna go that's gonna be like that he's gonna go there and they're just gonna surge up to a playoff spot because of him and then he's like uh, because he's gonna be the primary scoring option then try and win a ring you know that's my, unless that's that he, unless he wants to get dealt back to okc i'm all for it um <laughs> like we can we can see what happens but i generally don't think that anything's gonna happen over there yeah that's the thing i mean they paid him for a reason but now it seems like they've kind of backtracked on that decision and they kind of want to move away from his contract. So I was thinking maybe the Kings, if they give like a boatload of their players to match salaries, but even then I don't perhaps, know. Perhaps, perhaps, but it's like, it's like, see, let's just think hypothetically. All right. The Kings make a trade for Jeremy Grant. Who are they going to give up that they're not going to regret that trade for? And how are they going to upgrade their roster to at the same time? You know, like, I just don't think it's worth to give up De'Aaron Fox in a deal for Jeremy Grant. Um, personally, and I understand Kings might, you know, I think that Jeremy Grant would be more valuable to the Kings in terms of his position and just what he can bring to the team compared to De'Aaron Fox, especially with Tyrese Halliburton kind of emerging as this like true ball handler and whatever you want to kind of say about him in Sacramento. But I just, I, I, I personally just would not rush that deal if it doesn't need to be made. And I think that that kind of goes back to what Yash really said at the beginning of this podcast. Trade deadline this year, there's a whole lot of smoke and just, you know, not, not anything that really feels imminent you know if that makes sense like i just feel like all this stuff is like i need to see it to believe it i'm like who's really going to get traded because yeah if a jeremy grant trade goes down i'm going to be I, I won't be surprised but if a trade like ben simmons goes down i'll be stunned i'll be like oh my gosh like wow this is happening you know so that's just that's just how the trade deadline is this year even though we've been waiting for a simmons trade to happen for like literally since summer Yo, let me just i think if simmons gets traded we all like need to throw a party bro like we've been talking about the simmons trade for damn near like a year now so it's coming up to that i mean i'm down fly fly back to cali you know put the ash and i will we'll, we'll throw a party i mean i do want to say that i think jeremy grant it's disrespectful to say that he's the same as ben simmons because he hasn't it's he's not a diva for believing in himself and saying that he wants to be the number one option obviously he's not gonna be the number one option on the bucks or the nets but he absolutely if it's his right and it's his wish that he doesn't want to compete for ring but he wants to like come to the okc thunder and then be the leading <laughs> scorer along with shea so some players like you know we 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 criticize stat chasers but russell westbrook made a hall of fame career out of stat chasing so i mean like go get your bag jeremy if, if you want to average like 30 and 10 for okc i mean just follow in russ's footsteps make sean happy dude you're Sean's like coming for me bro Sean's like you see my russ, russ you see my <laughs> russ okc jersey just hanging right here and you see my Kevin yeah. Durant OKC jersey in the yeah. back, right? Like, man, he's just mocking me right now. <laughs> There's one guarantee for every panelist thought is Yash slandering Russell Westbrook. Bro. Just man, just brought him up out of. Out I mean, of quite frankly, we, we skipped the Lakers. We, we skipped the Lakers. <laughs> I'm in, so I had to bring him back up. I mean, we haven't talked about Chris Paul and you, Rohan, in a while. So 
yeah. Like, but, but they're the number one seed. Wait, I'm slamming yeah, the number no. one seed. Dude, bro, what? Dude, honestly, I feel bad for Rod because it's like you can't say anything bad about CP3, man. The dude's wait till the playoffs, bro. Just wait, 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 wait till the playoffs. playoffs. And then, like, he, but see, I get it. I get it. Okay, maybe, maybe he won't win a ring, all right? Whatever it may be, like, sure. But the I thing, promise you. But the thing is, like, he's, he's still great. Like, this team still reaches the finals. You guys remember when we had a conversation about last season when Rohan was begging Chris Paul to retire? And yeah. now he's the one seed. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Hey, it's okay, bro. The, the sun, the Suns team is giving me 2018 Rockets vibes. You know, like facts. facts. Re- we, before before we conclude this podcast, I don't want to get too caught up in casual talk right now. But Rohan, I, I have a proposition for you. Okay, if the Suns win the NBA Finals this year. You have to buy a Chris Paul jersey. I will. I will buy a Chris Paul jersey if the Suns win a finals. Because I, I, I truly don't All believe right. that, that they do. I think that All last right. year's run was a fluke. I think they're a good regular season team. But come down the stretch, that guy, number three on the Suns, he's about to choke. So let's wait on it. All right. Let's see. I mean, well, I, I don't, I don't want to get too backtracked. But in football, remember, I talked about the Bengals. They're in the Super Bowl now, even though that was a surprise yeah, to yeah. me. But we'll no, see. That, that, I, like, last time, last yeah. time Rohan said he doesn't believe in the team. They made the Super Bowl, guys. So let's see if that happens. Hey, that, that's a lot too. different, though. That's a lot different. But, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. I'm, I'm be very intrigued. Now, now, I'm, I'm actually. I think I'm gonna be rooting for the Suns a bit. You know, I have, I have the OKC ties to Chris Paul, Tad. You know, for that one season, very memorable year, of course. So maybe, maybe I'll be starting rooting for the Suns just to see Rohan rock the Chris Paul jersey. Tom just oh, wants God. an excuse to bandwagon. <laughs> oh please, no, I don't believe me. I'm like. I'm very happy with like OKC, right? Oh like, yeah, you're happy me. with your 14 first round no, picks. I'm, t- I'm telling yeah, you, it's we just, we just need to get, we got to yeah. get like some of them right, and we're all good. We're set up for the future. I'm happy with Josh. Did you catch? Looks great, man. Did you catch the local elementary school game? Watch your future Thunder. <laughs> honestly, I need to, dude. Like, I, like honestly, I need to start making my way out to these AAU games. Start scouting them. I'm gonna tell you guys about some six characters I've been watching, bro. <laughs> honestly, that 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 that's the future Thunder roster. At this point, yep. <laughs> so at least Jeremy but, Grant's an upgrade from that. That's true. I'm all for a Jeremy Grant trade. You know, if, they, if Detroit wants to send him our way, you know, it's not like the city's going to make much of a difference, quite frankly, um, at that point. But we'll see what happens over there. So I guess this is it. Cheers to a Ben Simmons trade in the next week. We'll be revisiting this topic, of course, next week, a trade pod deadline, you could say. Um, with uh, We're going to be unraveling everything that kind of happens. I would say. Um, but yeah, that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the Fanalist.pod. Shalom Ramachandran signing off with Yash Joshi and Rohan Ramachandran.